Gina Della from Pella through June 30th at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Choose 40% off installation or six-year no-interest financing. Get details now at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Remember the old Marlon Brando movie? Where one of the most famous lines is, you know, hey, Johnny, what are you rebelling against? And the line is, well, what do you got? Well, there's a classic example of that playing out right now. There were many riots in Minneapolis last evening. Now, it, nothing on the scale of the whole thing that happened after the George Floyd death. But what, what happened, and, and here, here's the underlying facts, and it just goes to show that I think that you have people that are out there they are looking for something to protest and riot about, regardless of what the facts are. They don't care. They just want to go out and they want to destroy stuff. So here's the deal. Yesterday afternoon, about 2 o'clock, in, in a downtown Minneapolis parking garage on the top floor, apparently there was a, a task force. It's one of these joint federal, state, local task forces that goes out and, and they look for they look for wanted suspects. Now, we don't know the guy's entire background, but my guess is it's not going to turn out to be too good. In any event, they've got a warrant for this guy. This The task force is looking for him. So, you know, to do something, get the task force looking for you tells me that there's got to be some real serious underlying stuff. But there's a warrant out for his arrest for felon in possession of a firearm. So they've got an arrest warrant for him. They get information that he's in this car. It's the, the top floor of this parking garage. So the federal state and local task force and this is headed by like u.s marshals and atf and things like that they they go they circle the car the guy who's wanted for felon in possession of a gun which tells you that he's a felon apparently pulls a gun on the police and a shooting ensues and the guy is shot and killed all right that that's really all we know about this right now guy was wanted he's obviously a felon because there's a felon in possession of a firearm charge against him police are moving in to make an arrest as part of this task force thing he's armed there is a shootout he's dead okay that that that's all we know we don't know anything more right now no more details well up in minneapolis apparently you you don't need to know details uh, about this. And and maybe there's going to be some questions about the police behavior. My guess in this situation is it, it's going to, I, this is not a George Floyd type of incident. But, but you know, we'll figure that out. In any event, after the word comes out that, oh, there's been a police shooting, well, immediately a number of the usual suspects gather near the scene um, in, in downtown Minneapolis and then what happens is all sorts of other people come out and, well, I'm looking at the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Several businesses were vandalized and looted overnight in the uptown area of Minneapolis after law enforcement officers shot and killed a man while attempting to make 
an arrest. CVS Pharmacy on Lake Street had windows smashed in and products strewn about. In other words, it was looted. No employees were hurt. Trash cans were set on fire. A light pole near Urban Outfitters was damaged. Public works crews had arrived about by 6 a.m. to start cleaning up the debris. Tires Plus had a broken window. Um, there was examples of, again, um, windows that were broken, things that were set on fire. This was not a, a full-blown riot like happened in Kenosha last August or like happened in Minneapolis following the George Floyd death. But But it was people who know nothing, nothing at all about what happened other than a guy who has a warrant for felon in possession of a firearm gets involved in a shootout with a federal, state, and local task force. And the immediate default position is, let's go ransack the CVS store. All right, now tell me how this, I don't know, contributes to the cause of social justice or anything like that. And the answer is it doesn't. The answer is it shows that at least some people, they don't care about facts. They don't want to wait for facts. They're simply looking as an for an excuse to go out and try to destroy stuff or steal stuff or whatever. And, you know, whenever there is an opportunity like this, this is what they seize on. So that was going on yesterday. But before that, something else happened in Minneapolis, and that's where I want to start the program and our discussion. Uh, it's It's been over a year since George Floyd uh, died at the hands of the Minneapolis police. I think that is a fair summary of this. In the aftermath of the death of George Floyd, what happened is uh, protesters, certain members of the community, etc., created what they would call an autonomous zone in the, the block surrounding where George Floyd died. And what they did is they came in, they put up concrete barriers that blocked access. You, you, so traffic couldn't get in, police couldn't get in. It was like an autonomous zone. And the authorities in Minneapolis have pretty much left it up for the last year. Now, what's happened is you have businesses in that, that area who've been complaining. They've saying, they say, look, you know, people, people can't get to our stores. People cannot get to our businesses. You know, you, there's no flow of traffic. Police can't get to our businesses. And what they've had also is they've had examples of like debris. They've had shootings. This has been sort of like a, a mini version of the movie Escape from New York, where you have this area all blocked off. So authorities have allowed this to be there for over a year now because, again, it's the George Floyd situation is a very volatile situation. It remains volatile till this day. But what happened yesterday, early in the morning, is Minneapolis authorities came in and they cleared out. They reopened the street. They removed the memorials. They removed the barricades from what's called George Floyd Square. It's actually a public street in Minneapolis. So they brought in bulldozers and things of the like. They're trying to preserve some of the quote-unquote artwork and maybe try to find a place to put a permanent sort of memorial in or something like that. But they've opened up the streets. Now, I'm looking at a story about this in the New York Times today. I think it's wrong, says D.J. Hooker, a community activist who arrived early Thursday after hearing the memorial was being taken down. This is not what they should be doing while people are still trying to heal. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's It's been a year. 
The street has been blocked off. It has been barricaded. They've had shootings. They've had various problems. And finally, the city said, look, we've we got to open up this street. And, you know, we're, we're looking into some sort of permanent memorial, but we're the, the barricades are going to be gone. We're moving them with bulldozers. The streets are going to be reopened. And you have people that are complaining about this. All right. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand that it's Minneapolis. It's not Milwaukee, but it's not Kenosha. But I think there is a larger issue here. Were officials wrong in saying, okay, it's been a year. It's time to get back to some sense of normal. Does that disrespect what happened? Does it disrespect the social justice movement? Is it too soon because people are trying to grieve? And my answer is, it's been a year. 855-616-1620. We discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, look here, here is the bottom line. At some point in time, you, you have to move on. I, I'm, I have no problem if the community up in Minneapolis decides that they want to create a, a memorial to George Floyd. That, that's certainly appropriate. But there, there's ways you, you figure out where the memorial is going to be located and you figure out how it's going to be funded and you figure out how it's going to be maintained. And, and that's all well and good. But I, I've been making this argument for years when it comes to some of these roadside memorials that people start at the scene of a, of a crash. Well, okay. I, you, you give it a little bit of time. I understand that gives people an opportunity to grieve, but then you got to get back to normal. And in Minneapolis, it has been stunning to me that they have allowed streets to be blocked off and a city block to essentially be cordoned off for the more than a year now as one of these kind of autonomous zones slash makeshift memorials. You've got businesses that are in this autonomous zone area that customers can't get to, traffic can't flow, the fire department can't get through, the cops cannot get through. You have examples of all sorts of crime. It really was like escape from New York set aside in a particular area. And finally, authorities said enough is enough. I have no problem. As a matter of fact, I think you can make a strong argument that this should have happened perhaps a long time ago. Now, there's activists out there that say, well, it's too soon. We're, we're still grieving. Well, all right, at, at what point in time do you say, you know, move on? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, Jeff, this is what's allowed when enabling politicians create in many ways things that happen in our cities, a small sector that thinks they can burden and inconvenience anyone else. Can you imagine if you're a business that was in this particular area and now the streets are blocked off, not by the city, but by, you know, activist protesters. There's shootings. There's all these other problems. Cops can't get through. I mean, and you're, you're, yet you're still expected to... Um, Pay taxes. Jeff, it's been long enough. A memorial will mark the spot. Right now, it is only an excuse for bad behavior. Um, uh, yes. Jeff, were the businesses and residents in the autonomous zone required to still pay their property taxes during the past year? They were. If so, why did the city take so long to restore the neighborhood? Well, the answer is because the city didn't want to upset the activists. They didn't want to upset the protesters. They didn't want to, I don't know, call, give people yet another excuse to go break windows and loot CVS stores. But at some point in time, you got to say enough is enough. And I think after a year, that's more than time. Jeff, big city mayors have decided that hardworking people don't matter anymore even then when they are paying the freight, I think it's time to reopen 
this um, matter. Um, Jeff, I don't agree with how Floyd was treated, but I believe most people will not memorialize him. I don't know about that. I mean, this is this is a rallying cry, and this I understand people rallied about this. This was the start of the Black Lives Matter movement and the social, at least the, the takeoff of Black Lives Matter um, and a, a lot of the social justice things. And I think there's value to that. I, I really am. But there is a there's a spot for memorials. There, there is, and you got to figure out if if Minneapolis wants to create its own George Floyd Memorial, whether it's in that area or somewhere else. That's fine. I don't have a problem with it. I do have a problem with people saying, "Okay, we're going to take it upon ourselves to block off a huge section of city streets and then say, all right, nobody can get here one way or the other. Jeff, business has been affected. Open it up. Um, People need to get over this. Well, again, there's there's a way that you can deal with this. Jeff, I don't believe the memorial should have lasted a week. Business has been affected. Well, see, it has, look, you're trying to balance things out. I I understand, but at some point in time, the memorial's got to come down, and I think after a year, this is plenty enough time to do that. Um, So, you know, what, what can that be? Um, where this goes, I don't know. And it is interesting to me that this, this decision to remove the memorial happens on the same day that a couple hours later there's a shooting involving a federal state local task force, which has now caused people to go back out in the streets knowing none of the facts and, and loot a CBS, CVS store and break windows and do things of the like. Again, I, I don't know. Maybe it's going to turn out that this particular shooting is unjustified. But one of the frustrating things out there is there is a certain segment of various communities that decide that any time there is a law enforcement action that's out there and there's a situation where police are forced or whatever to use their firearms that the police have to be wrong and that's an excuse to go loot things right now these are the same communities that then turn around and look at homicide rates that are through the roof look at quality of life issues like shootings and car thefts and all and they're through the roof as well but we're going to go out and we're going to loot cvs stores every time police try to get for example a guy who's got a warrant as a felon in possession of a firearm off the streets. Isn't that what you want cops to do? Or do you really want to allow everybody that's got a criminal record to just kind of go hang out in an autonomous zone and, and think they get out, get a get out of jail free card? I would argue that's not the case. And that's not what we should be doing. The memorial was fine for a while. But just like roadside memorials, there's a time when it's got to be taken down. And I think that time was yesterday. Probably you can argue it should have been a long time before that. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The Miracle League of Milwaukee is celebrating its 10th anniversary. That means an entire decade of bringing together children of all abilities to play organized baseball. The Miracle League believes that everyone deserves a chance to play our national pastime, but they can't do it without the support of the community. And that is where you come in. To find out how you can support this great local organization, go to WTMJ.com slash CARES or text the word CARES, C-A-R-E-S, to 855-616-1620. WTMJ CARES, sponsored by Gruber Law Offices. One call. That is all. All right. New hiring report out today. And it's it's mixed. I mean, here, here's the deal. Depending on 
what you read. Well, U.S. added five, almost 600,000 jobs. 559,000 jobs were added in, in May. And some people are saying, oh, that, that's up from April. Because remember, the April job numbers were, were just absolutely awful. So the, these numbers are, are up. In April, they thought there'd be 2 million jobs created, and it turns out to be, I think, in the 400s. This is 559,000. Well, so the question is, what does that mean? And the answer that most honest economists will tell you is that that's that's not great. It's it's an improvement from April, but it is still evidence that many, many businesses are struggling to find enough workers as the economy recovers from a pandemic recession. I I was talking to a very dear friend of mine last night who's in the real estate business, and he was telling me it's like on the one hand, it's it's like a switch has just flipped in the last couple of weeks, you know. And if you're, for example, he he his business is like leasing leasing storefronts and shopping malls and strip malls and things of the like, strip centers and things of the like. He said, you know, after a really tough year where you had businesses closing, he said he's getting calls right and left. Businesses want to reopen, they want to move, they're ready to get back in. But one of the biggest problems that you have is again they they can't find people who are willing to work. And, you know, these numbers underscore that 559,000 new jobs, Uh, you know, but the problem is that there's a lot more employers that are out there that are trying to, you know, find people, but the people aren't willing to come back to work. Now, we've talked about this a lot, and I understand that some people say, well, this is this is why you have to pay people 25 or $30 an hour. Well, okay, you, you've got a job that's objectively worth 10 or $11 an hour. You can't pay somebody 25 or $30 an hour. What's going on now is we have this artificial problem where the government, by virtue of not just unemployment benefits, but 300 bucks from the feds, on top of that every month, what they're doing is they're creating a disincentive for people to go to work if the job is, I don't know, one of those entry-level jobs or a job that pays 10 or 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 or $15 an hour. Unfortunately, you're going to see this continue, I believe, until early September in the states like Wisconsin that refuse to say no to these federal dollars. Once it becomes unappealing to sit at home and collect unemployment, people will go back and, you know, the economy will pick up even more and employers will be able to hire. But as long as the private sector is competing with the federal government using taxpayer dollars to incentivize people not to work, you're you're still going to have sluggish growth. So I think we're going to be looking at that for a couple months, at least in about half the country. Like I say, last time I checked, there were 24 states that had already said to the Biden administration, "We, we don't want this extra three hundred dollars that we've we've got jobs we have to fill so you know take your money and and keep it um wisconsin has not done that yet and i think as a result of that we're going to see sluggish job growth at least for another couple months five hundred and fifty nine thousand jobs it's better than april but it's not great you're listening to jeff wagner on wtmj So very glad to have you with us. All right. The story, the headline in the Journal Sentinel story is they deserve to be treated with dignity. And this is a story about panhandling in Wauwatosa. We've talked about panhandling issues before over the years. Let let me let's kind of go through the background before we get into the particulars. According to a Supreme Court ruling, 
panhandling in and of itself is legal. Asking people for money is a form of free speech, right? But it, but it's not without its limitations. For example, you can't you can't automatically set up on on a median strip if there's a rule against it. Um, there are limits communities can have as to where you can panhandle or and things of of the like. And in Madison, it got to be such a problem that they've imposed a series of rules. It doesn't bar people from begging money, but it says that that people, regardless of whether you're a beggar or whether you're a firefighter soliciting donations for Jerry's kids or whatever, you, you can't be in certain areas. For example, they've got an ordinance which prohibits people from approaching a vehicle on about 100 different streets, as well as the first 200 feet of an intersection on all streets unless the vehicle is parked. Standing in a median is not allowed anymore unless the person is crossing the street within the crosswalk or the safety zone. In addition, drivers aren't allowed to slow down or, or deviate lanes. That would be a that would be a violation. And the argument is what well, you know, we're not t- saying that people can't panhandler panhandle, but people standing in in busy intersections or as frequently happens right around the area where I work, it's standing right as you get off the freeway you know, on, on the corners or in the median strips or in many cases walking in traffic between two lanes of traffic that are paused at a red light trying to see if somebody's going to give them money, those provide, those, those present huge dangers. And as a result, it's just, it's just not worth it. I would also argue that there's a quality of life issue as well. So that's the background. Now, Wauwatosa has had ongoing problems with panhandlers. Um, since 2018, Wauwatosa police have received almost 400 complaints about panhandlers. Uh, the police department gets about five to 10 calls a day from people complaining about them. And what you have is you have panhandlers who set up at a number of very, very busy intersections in Wauwatosa, including uh, right around where Mayfair Shopping Center is. And, you know, they're they're on the median strips and they're begging money. In May, a panhandler was hit by a drunken driver when their car drove onto the median. The person was standing on the median and was was hurt. Um, so, again, nobody's condoning the drunk driver, but people aren't supposed to be just standing, begging for standing in median strips, much less standing in median strips and begging for money. So here's the, the first portion of the Journal Sentinel story today. Mike grew up in Milwaukee near 28th Street in Lincoln. He's 45 years old, and for the past year, he's been standing on a two-foot-wide slab of concrete in Wauwatosa asking for change from passing cars. He didn't want to use his name. He's homeless, didn't want his last name used for the story. He's been on the median so long that people know his face and name and give him money. On this particular sunny Tuesday morning, he'd been there for about an hour. He wasn't aware that Wauwatosa officials were discussing panhandling activity in its medians and how they might stop it. This is huge for me. This is how I've been living, Mike said. If someone calls for him in the intersection, he'll go over to the car. But for the most part, he stays in the median holding his cardboard signs. He says he doesn't abuse drugs or alcohol. He doesn't have a car. He wants to find a job, but it's not that easy. Panhandling helps him eat most days. People don't get it. They don't understand. They don't want to, Mike said. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text 
line. Now, it's interesting that this story runs the same day we're, we're having a, a conversation about 559,000 jobs created and a, a lot of, there'd be a lot, there's a lot more jobs available, but you can't fill them because people don't want to work. People aren't don't have the incentive to go to work, et cetera, et cetera, because you gotta you got to be there for eight hours a day or six hours a day or whatever it is. So here you have Mike, who has might be a wonderful guy. He, he's chosen that this is the way he chooses to support himself. He stands on on a street and, and panhandles and begs money. All right, our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I don't mean to be heartless about this, but... You've got to control panhandling in in cities and having panhandlers standing and and begging money on median strips, you know, essentially in traffic, in busy intersections is a recipe for disaster. Why are they there? Well, they're there because there's a lot of cars and there's a lot of traffic and there's a lot of activity and they're putting themselves at risk. They are putting other cars at risk when like, for example, somebody slows down or stops to give somebody money and then the car behind him doesn't realize that the guy has stopped because he's, he's going to stop and he's going to give the panhandler money. I just think communities have every right to say, look, we're not going to tolerate this. And I understand they can't stop people from begging money. That's free speech. But begging money in high traffic areas, I think communities can and should put an end to that because nothing good is going to come of it. And if a guy like Mike, if Mike decides that, look, this is how I'm going to subsidize myself and I, I, this, I, 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 I don't want to work at a regular job. It's better to stand out here for hours and hours and make money. If that's how he chooses to do it, that's fine. But he shouldn't be able to do it in busy intersections or on city street medians. Got to find some place else to go do it. Now, it might be that there's not as much traffic, and it might be that he doesn't generate as much in, in money that's given to him, but but too bad. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I do confess what what really struck me about this particular story is the Journal Sentinel reporter goes out and they, they interview a guy who's who's panhandling in Wauwatosa, and, and part of his line is he, he says, "Well, I, you know, he 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 he, does, he wants to find a job, but it's not that easy." And I guess I'm thinking, okay, I don't understand this. Does it mean that, you know, it's not that easy to find a job? Which, at which point in time, I, my first response is he, he can't be looking too terribly hard because people are begging to find folks to come in and, and, and work. Now, if the question is, gee, I can't find a job that pays me as much as panhandling, well, okay, that, that might be a different story. Or I can't find a job, it's not that easy to, he wants to find a job, but it's not that easy. If he means it's not that easy to do a job, oh, okay. I mean, because I understand if you if you're working, you have to you have to show up on a daily basis, and there's a discipline, and you can't just decide, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to stand on this particular part of the median strip with my sign and and ask for money for a couple hours. I, I've got to. I've got to go to work. I've got to, I've got to show up and I've got to be there and I've got to have some sense of structure. So I, I don't know what exactly it means when, when he says it's not that easy. 
if people decide that that they want to beg money as a way to subsist, I don't. I really. I, that's an individual decision, I guess. But I think a community has every right to limit how and where they do that. And standing in roadways and look, I, I want to get away from this one particular guy, but we have all seen it. You know, but off you get off the freeway on Capitol Drive here. There's always one or two people that are at the busy intersections where there's a red light as people are getting off the freeway. They will walk. There's two lanes that are getting off, and what they'll do is they'll they'll walk, you know, in between the lanes of cars. They're gonna, they're walking in traffic to see if somebody's going to give them money. That happens all over. I am surprised that there's not more situations where more accidents or collisions or or more panhandlers getting hit by by cars because you don't expect somebody to be going down the roadway, do you? Let's talk to Carla in Cudahy. Hi, Carla. Hello. Hi, Carla. Hello. Yep, you're on the air. Hi. I agree with you that they shouldn't be panhandlers for several reasons. Many use them to support their drug habits and alcohol, Mm -hmm. but they're not really using it for food, as many think, and then they're probably sleeping under the bridges and whatever. Second reason is that they probably make a lot of money at it, and we aren't aware of it. So, and And the other reason, and we should really investigate this a little bit more, is to look into the medical reasons for it is which is a lot of them are mentally ill and we don't have any facilities anymore for mentally ill people and forced to walk the streets mm-hmm. well i think th- those are all i mean thanks for the call i look i i think those those are all valid points the, the underlying question of okay what why why is somebody out there and i i'm all in favor of trying to look at a holistic sort of approach and say okay is this a mental health issue you know do you need to have more treatment is this a spot where we need more you know um assistance for people who are homeless and things of the like and that that's that that's a fair conversation to have but as far as the immediate question of should we allow people to be standing in intersections or on median strips by busy intersections trying to flag down cars to beg money to beg money I, I think the answer is clearly no now on on your point about you know what what do they do with the money I, I've told this story before my late wife and I were in San Francisco a number of years ago and we, we were staying in the heart of the financial district and we're just I was just overwhelmed with the amount of beggars I, I mean just o- overwhelmed you, you could and I don't think San Francisco is any different now than it was, you know, back then, years ago. And and at one point in time, I remember my wife, I think she gave some guy 20 bucks. And I, I just, I, it, it wasn't the $20. I, I said, look, honey, you know, the, we have no idea what this guy's going to do with it. And, and yes, maybe, maybe he's going to go buy food, but there's just as good a chance that he's going to go buy heroin or there's just as good a chance that he's going to go buy dope or liquor or whatever. And, and you know, all we're doing is enabling this. I said, let's, I, I, it's not the money. Let's, there's all sorts of food kitchens around here or let, let's, let's go find a food kitchen and let's give the food kitchen 200 bucks. I mean, I have no problem with, you know, giving money to legitimate charities. This is one of the things, by the way, that in Milwaukee, they are actively encouraging. They're telling people, don't give money to the beggars. Don't give money to the panhandlers. If you want to give money, please do so. But there's also give money to the rescue mission. Give money to the food banks. Give you know, There's all sorts of great places that when you donate the money, 
you know that it is going to be used as it is intended to be used. When you give it to somebody who's standing on that street corner begging for money, you, you don't know what's going to happen to it. And yes, it, it might be somebody who's legitimately homeless and but down on their luck, and they've got job applications that are out at all sorts of different places, and they're just waiting to hear back, and this is an act of desperation, and it might be that way, but it also might be, uh, again, this is money that's going to go into this guy's pocket, and then, you know, next thing you know, he's going to be finding the local crack dealer, and he's going to be spending on that. You just don't know. Uh, let's see. We've got Matthew in Wauwatosa. Matthew, your neck of the woods. Oh, yeah. I see it every every time I go near Mayfair. Um, I, I have a couple thoughts. I I run a, a construction business, and, and construction is not for everybody. It's a, it's a hard day's work, and that may not be for them, but I can tell you that we're always hiring, and um, I mean, you don't have to have a history at all in the trade. You, we, we train. So we take gentlemen all the time who have never done this type of labor before and train them up. Yeah. Um, but it's like I, you I said, but it's it hard. Like you said, it, it's hard. You know, I mean, it's, oh, it sounds like it's, it's, it's hard physical it's much work. It's easier standing there to collect money. Yeah. Much easier to stand there and collect money. I also went to Marquette University and, and, uh, lived uh, four years on campus and, you know, walking the streets of Marquette. I mean, it was a constant daily, um, pet, you know, you were always asked for change. Right. What I did, and, and early on, you gave it to them. You were taught, they told you an orientation not to. You're just helping uh, them to continue to do it. What I did learn was they, they continually had a story. I'm trying to earn right. money for food. Um I would take them to Greebies or offer to take them to Greebies. I always offered to, to buy a lunch rather than, and no, 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 I'll go get it myself. I just need the money. It, it never turned out to be what it was asked for. Right. So I don't think you're doing them any favors. You're enabling. You're, you're continuing a trend. Yeah, no, I, thanks, thanks for calling, Matthew. And going back to your, your point, I mean, yeah, I, you, you've got jobs. That's what really struck me about the story. He wants to find a job but said it's not that easy. I, I, and of course, the, the the newspaper reporter doesn't follow up on that. There, there's no. What do you mean? It's not that easy. Do you mean you, you've got issues that you can't show up for work? Or I mean, I, I and I don't, I, I don't know. And I understand that. I, I, I say I always wonder that that's the problem with people and their stories. You you don't know what the deal is because I think that there are people who uh, again panhandling and the lifestyle and begging for money. It's you're, you're not paying taxes on any of this, and and it's a way to make more money than perhaps if you're working at so low job. Um, okay, Jeff, the city should post signs at every major intersection discouraging donation to panhandlers and providing contact, contact information on how to donate to shelters and soup kitchens, to which I say amen. Jeff, years ago, I stopped donating money, no exceptions. If I donated money every time I'm asked, I would need to get donations myself. I have no problem donating my time or food for food drives. Some of these beggars are con artists and may drive cars nicer than I do. Um, well, yeah, I think that there's a, an element 
of that. Jeff, giving them money is not even a half measure. It's a one-tenth measure. Full measures would be getting the homeless people awareness or access to government agencies available to help them improve their life. And it would be a quality of life issue for everybody else because having panhandlers standing on median strips is is dangerous. Jeff, I get off on Capitol Drive every day. I know exactly where she's talking about. I'm a smaller woman. I drive a Jeep Wrangler. I take my top and doors off for the summer. These beggars scare me to the point I've gone through red lights to avoid them. Some of the beggars, not all, but some of the panhandlers are, in fact, very aggressive. I know what that lady's talking about. Um, Jeff, I had a construction worker once tell me when he was doing work near the casino, a beggar would spend the day with a sign, then hop into BMW at the end of the day and drive off. That's anecdotal. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I don't know how often that happens, but but you you don't know. Jeff, I drive truck for a living. I was at the intersection of Capitol and North when a panhandler came up to my truck. I waved him by. He then proceeded to climb underneath my truck to get to the next lane. I was extremely upset. Um, you know, no kidding. You know, no, no, no kidding. But that's the thing that that's going on. Um, Jeff, if he doesn't have a smartphone or computer access, it is hard to find a job. You can't just go in anywhere and fill out a paper application anymore. Um, well, you, I, I will tell you this. There are all sorts of places. All you have to do is walk up and say, are you hiring? I, I'm sorry. I refuse. If the justification is going to be the reason the guy can't find the job is because he, he doesn't have a, a computer and Internet access. Give me a break. I mean, you, you walk up and down pretty much. Uh, let's let's take up Walwatosa. You walk up and down the streets of you know, Main Street and Walwatosa there in the downtown area. And my guess is you're going to see now hiring signs in all sorts of windows. Uh, that's just my guess. My guess is you go out to Mayfair Shopping Center. You walk into the stores. My guess is you're going to see signs saying now hiring. Or all you have to do is walk in, ask to see the manager. They will be thrilled to have you because people can't find enough people to do places can't find enough people to do the job so the guy says he wants to find a job but it's not that easy Eh, you know i i don't i don't know about that that's fine it's his decision whether or not he wants to work whether he wants to panhandler but i think the community to bring us back to where we started has every right to say we're we're not letting you on intersections we're not letting you on median strips because that's not what they're there for and so, yeah, find a place to beg for money if that's the way you choose to do it, but not standing in intersections because it creates a danger to all sorts of people. Back with more in just a couple of minutes. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So, Mike Spalding, before you leave, I had... A really, 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 really good experience last night. It was, it was, it was a, it was kind of a post-COVID sort of thing. I have, um, I, I have, I have a number of old friends who I just absolutely treasure. And after I, I got married um, a number of years ago, a few years ago to Fran, and she, she's introduced me. She knows everybody, and so I, I've met all sorts of people, you know, through her. And they're, they're interesting and they're wonderful people that make my life in general much more fuller and, and rich. And there's, I have this friend that I met through Fran. It's interesting because he, he's older than me. I grew up with his kid. 
I mean, when we were we were kids. But now, now he's he's married to you know one of friends' friends, and so we become friends. And he's the facet, just an absolutely fascinating guy. He knew Baskin and Robbins. He was in real estate, you know, like yeah. thirty one flavors. He actually knew Baskin and Robbins. You know, two guys. It was two, guys. It it was, two okay. It was two brothers. It was two brothers-in-law who started this ice cream shop in California. And interestingly enough, this is the side story on this. When they decided to expand Thirty-One Flavors and, and go nationwide, the first state they came to was Wisconsin, because they did a market study, and at least at the time. Per capita consumption of ice cream is greatest <laughs> in Wisconsin than anywhere else in the country. It's, so, it's interesting they chose a uh, custard country. Well, but this is beforehand. I keep in mind this is probably before custard. This is you know back in in the fifties sure, or sixties sure. or whatever. So anyhow, they they came here and yeah, my 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 friend tells stories about driving around with one of the two of them and actually looking at locations. The the first Baskin and Robbins in Wisconsin was on Oakland Avenue. The second or third is still there. It's up on. Uh, in this little strip mall on Port Washington Road and Brown Deer Road in Bayside. It's been there forever. My parents moved here in 1967. It was 31 flavors and it's still there. It's, it's just, but this is, he's, he's just, he's a great guy and I just, I love talking to him. I always feel when we go out to dinner, I should pick up the tab because I, I'm just quizzing him. He, he just knows everybody and stuff, and he's he's really he's very active with like the Wisconsin, the Milwaukee Jewish Federation, and he's really helped me understand. I think some some issues affecting the Jewish community in Wisconsin and understanding the issues going on in Israel. Anyways, it's just fascinating. So, um, my friend uh, is. He was diagnosed with with cancer about a year or two ago and and went through all these treatments. And he's in his 80s and went through all these different treatments. And then, of course, COVID hits and we really haven't seen each other. Mm -hmm. They they just he and his wife just kind of just decide, okay, we're not going out to dinner. We're going to do all these. You know, we're we're just going to be really, really safe. And, And I know my buddy's had a couple health issues and stuff. So I have not physically seen him probably for going on a year. I mean, I think we went over to their place and sat outside and had drinks last year. So last night we went out to dinner. And I have to admit, I wasn't sure. You know, I mean, I hadn't seen him for a while. I knew there'd been these health things. And and my friend walks in and he looks great. He looks like a million bucks. I mean, it was just... And it was this. I. It was sort of funny. We went up and we hugged. I'm not a hugger, but I hugged this guy because I, I. I'm not. But yeah. in in this restaurant, you know, we were. I, and, and you know, we we just hugged. It was just so nice to see him. And I was thinking, you know, th- this is so great. And I'm sure there are people who are doing this all across our listening area and all across the the, the state and all across the country. You know, people that they haven't been able to see because you know, if, I, I've been out and about a bit, but I'm I'm younger and healthy and have no you know underlying health issues. But you know, there, there are people like my buddy that were being smart, taking it easy. You know, they had some health reversals, and it was just so great to see him. He was just looking great, and I'm just thinking, you know, I think there's people probably all over all over that are having those kind of reunion sort of things. And how cool is that? Yeah, we did one. Not to hijack your story, no. but we we had a very similar experience over Memorial Day weekend. My cousin or my wife's cousin uh, had a birthday, and her whole family lives in the same neighborhood. We're we're like the castoffs who who moved away, so they all see each other, but we have not really seen anyone. And this was the first time that we got to see everybody kind of all together, right, in a setting. And I don't think the pandemic was like brought up once, and it was the first time we've we've done that to where it was like you just had right, you know quote unquote normal conversations about right everyday stuff, and it wasn't like this yeah. cloud hanging over yeah, you. It was and, amazing, and, right? And, and it was, and I, I I kind of admit it because you know before we just hadn't seen each other. I was kind of thinking, 
okay, well, I know there's been these health issues and stuff, and I know what what's this going to look like. And my gosh, she was it was just it was just absolutely tremendous. So I mean, I, I've it's like wow, that that's really cool. And it, it especially since and you will find this out as you get older. I, I'm there's you get to a point where almost every time the phone not every almost every time, but often the phone rings, and you know it's somebody you know. Or who who's got th- this health issue? I mean, my my uh, my wife's sister, her husband, my brother-in-law Ed, great lawyer in Racine. He passed away a week or two ago after a long fight with cancer. And we somebody I, I did all sorts of charity things with last year. I mean, she passed away suddenly, cancer. I mean, it's all this type of stuff. You you really begin to realize how short life is, which is why we need to go out and enjoy ourselves, don't we? Absolutely. I'm all in. It's going to be 100 degrees this weekend, and I can't wait to be outside. Well, there you go, right? It works for me. Okay. So that was that was my evening last night. And it's actually, I, I came home at night, and I said to my wife, I said, that, that, that was just really fun. It was just so great to see these people. And, and I just, I hope you're being able to get out and about and enjoy folks and reconnect with people that matter to you because life is, in fact, short. Which brings me... That was kind of a long way to get to where, where I want to start. So the other day, I... I I'm going through the mail, and I get a notice saying that my law school class, the reunion for the law school class is scheduled for next year. It's going to be like a zero year next year, and they're asking for people to like volunteer to be on the reunion committee, or alternatively, just if you can't be on the reunion committee, give us your address so you know we can contact you and make sure you have the information and, and save these dates and things like that. And I got to thinking, you know, I... um. I've never gone to a law school reunion, high school reunion. I went to maybe the five-year and the 10-year, and I, I don't think I've been back since since then. And and my my rationale has always been the high school reunions, I, I, I have a very – I have a small but very close set of friends. We went to high school together. We always we always see each other. And the first couple times I went to the high school reunions, my sense was all all those high school cliques were still in place. You know, it was it was, it was no different. I, I remember that. You know, the, these were the folks that hung out, and and I kind of kept thinking, well, you know, the people that I you know like to see and that mean something to me, I, I see them you know whenever I want to see them or wherever we can get together. So I, I I passed on the high school reunions. I don't think I've ever been to a law school reunion. But I, I again, as I'm thinking about this kind of life is short sort of stuff, I'm thinking, okay, it's, you know, may, maybe this is maybe this is the time, especially as everybody's kind of now winding down their careers, you're getting to that sort of point. Maybe maybe that's the time to go and, and, and kind of reconnect with people that you haven't seen in 25 or 30 years or, or whatever. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So the funny part about this is after this comes in, I call up one of my, my law school classmates who I do see occasionally, and I said, hey, I got this note about the reunion. Or, or you know, I, I, I've never gone to one. Are you, you thinking of going? And my idea was if he said, well, yeah, maybe I'm going, maybe that would have inspired me. His response was, why would I go to the reunion? <laughs> he said, I have no interest in doing that. And I thought, oh, so you're going to be the killjoy. Okay, throw a wet blanket on my idea. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, reunions, high school, college, graduate school, whatever. All right, are they worth going to? Do you go to them? Are you disappointed? Are you excited about them? Or, like I say, I just, I, I historically, for for whatever reasons, I, I just have historically not gone to reunions. 
But, you know, I, I've got a couple coming up, and now I'm starting to think about it. All right, is it worth going? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Have you been? Have you had fun? What's the good parts about it? We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, so I get a notice in the mail if you're just tuning in saying my law school, there's a zero-year class reunion scheduled for, for next year. And I was sitting there thinking, yeah, I, I've never gone to any of them. I just, I just, I just haven't. Um, I haven't gone to a high school reunion for a long, long time. And, and it just, it never necessarily appealed to me for whatever reasons. The people I know from law school or I know from high school, I, I still, who are important to me, I, I still keep in touch with them. But I, I was thinking, am I ending up missing something by not going? Let's start with, uh, Mark in Illinois. Hi, Mark. You're on WTMJ. Yes. Good afternoon. I, have always enjoyed going to a class reunion, and I've been to every one of my high school reunions except the fifth year. Um, we did a 50th birthday reunion once because we uh, the the plans fell through for the um, what do you call it the uh, I, I I don't know whatever would have been two years before the 50th, but anyway. I think that with my sister, her approach to friendships tends to be out of sight, out of mind, <laughs> and also that they're going to, she figures they're probably going to be what they are. Whereas when I go to reunion, I see it as a chance to connect with people, uh-huh. see how they've grown. I, the last time I went to a high school reunion, I, connected with people that I had never even known about in my high school class and made new friendships. How, and how, how big was it, your high school so class, Mark? It, how big was your high school class? About 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 350 people. Yeah, so good size. Now, thanks. See, that, I mean, my high school class, my graduating class was, I want to say it was over 500. And so, like I said, there were... There were there were huge chunks of people that I I just I, I just I just didn't know. I mean, um, I, I you know we we all had our little you know kind of kind of groups and people we hung out. A huge number of people that I, I just didn't know. But it was interesting because again, my experience first couple times was the, the same people that hung out in high school, and I kind of understand it. They, they were they, they were just everybody was just a little bit older, <laughs> you know. But but everybody was hanging out in in these same groups. Jeff, my fiftieth high school uh, reunion in Kankakee, Illinois was pushed back from last year until July of uh, 22. I can't wait to see everybody, especially my tennis team buddies. That's from Floyd in uh, uh, in Whitefish Bay. Um, let's see. Um, Jeff, my high school class was 95. Everybody knew everybody. Yeah, I think maybe maybe that's a different kind of thing when it's when it's that small and you do know everybody. And my guess is, especially if for people who... Uh, d- depending on where you went to school, for example, I have a couple friends who who went to um, rural, small schools in rural districts, and a lot of people stayed there. So they, they've been in contact with their their high school folks friends for for all their life, and their high school friends became their college friends, became their adult friends. That that really wasn't how it kind of played out for me, Jeff. I didn't go to my ten year high school reunion because I still hung out with the same group of friends and see them regularly. I don't plan on going to my future ones either. But my wife, on the other hand, was an organizer for hers. We went. We had a lot of fun. 
Jeff, I hated my high school experience at a Catholic school, and I've never gone to a reunion. Even though I've moved a few times, they still seem to find me with an invite. Oh, I didn't hate my high school experience. I, I mean, I actually, I liked the high school experience. It's just the reunions left me a little bit cold. Jeff, a friend and I organized our tenure. It was such a pain that by the time the day came, I almost didn't want to go. However, it was fun to see people, even though we had a very small class. Several people came back who live out of town. Last year should have been our 20th, and obviously it didn't happen. I have no idea if we'll have another. I think it probably depends in that case on whether you've got somebody that's willing to... um, willing to volunteer to uh, organize it. And I'm sure there's a lot of work. Jeff, same as you, I went to the 20th high school reunion. Same groups were circling the rooms, just like in, uh, just like, you know, when it was in junior high school and high school. I talked to an old friend. We were both bored. <laughs> I do remember, I mean, like the last one I went to, you know, we, we hung out for a little while and then I, I ended up, I ended up in the bar with, my, my my buddies. And so, you know, we, we were guilty of that as well. Maybe things would be different now that I'm a little bit older. Don't know. Still wrestling with that idea. Jeff, you should go and take your wife with you. I moved too much, so I never went to a reunion. No lasting friendships. Oh, if I went, I would definitely take my wife with me. And by the end of the, by an hour and a half into it, it doesn't matter that it would be my high school or my law school reunion. By an hour and a half into it, my wife would know everybody, you know. <laughs> she she would absolutely know everybody. Um, Jeff, my buddy and I were in Las Vegas during our 10-year high school reunion. After the trip, I asked him if he felt bad about missing it. He said, absolutely not. We didn't talk to anybody from my class anyways. Ooh, ouch. Well, it wasn't like that. I mean, I liked most of the people I went to school with. And I confess, it would be kind of interesting to see how how things turned out for, for people. But um, don't know. Still, I'm wrestling with this. Got a year to decide on the law school one. Back with more in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, so that, that that's the reunion thing. Now, now there there is something I don't quite understand. I'm not opposed to it, not opposed to it, but I don't quite understand it. As long as we're talking about the graduation process, group producing the show today and always. All right, when you when you graduated from eighth grade, three of the best years of your life, just kidding, when you graduated from eighth grade, did you have a graduation ceremony? Was there a big, like, party and a celebration? Uh, no, I never did, but that that's something that I'm... That that has happened in the past. Some of my friends might have. Yeah, it's yeah. something that I've heard of. Right. Yeah. The graduate now, Melissa, Melissa Barkley. I mean, when you graduated from eighth grade, did you? Was there a big like celebration and ceremony, like a high school graduation? No. I, okay. There was nothing like that. That I I find that to be a bit ridiculous. Oh, okay. Well, I I, I, I bring this up because actually there's a controversy in Madison. Because they don't call them graduation ceremonies, but they're, they're promotion. They call them promotion ceremonies. You're, you're going on to high school, and there, there's a big controversy because apparently they're they're not going to be in person this year because of everything that's going on. So it's going to be virtual and streamed and that stuff, and you can't have folks in. And and I, again, I guess I don't care, but I, I, it, it's sort of like I mean, I remember now. I'm dating myself, but when we went, you know, when when I when I graduated from eighth grade, it was kind of like. You know, all the teachers, you know, had like a little picnic on the last day, and then they just kind of waved you off, and you you got off a half day early, and all the other kids, the seventh and sixth graders, had to stay for the rest of the day, and they waved you off, and they said, okay, well, good luck in high school. There, it wasn't 
like this was this big deal. It was because everybody was going to go on to high school and and you know it, there, we didn't have celebrations and eighth grade graduation gifts and things of of the like. But that apparently is now the the trend that we 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 do this. We celebrate that people have just kind of they're being promoted, not graduated, but they're promoted. Well, you know, I don't know is that a party thing? I, you know, I'm okay with just having your high school graduation. I'm good with that. But I think everyone always tries to find a way to celebrate everything. They have gender reveal parties now, <laughs> and they never had that. You know, when I was when I was younger, when I was growing up, uh, that wasn't a thing. So I think everyone's always just trying to find a way to have a good day. I guess the story in the Wisconsin State Journal is promotion ceremonies for eighth graders will vary across the district, with some scheduled to take place completely online. And then it goes on, and some of these parents are upset about this i'm like a promotion ceremony i mean come on the only question is you look at your report card you know are are you graduating and then then you just kind of you kind of move on but that that you're right we we celebrate everything nowadays i guess if you if you want to use it as an excuse to have a party you know why should i complain i'm just thinking you know it's just you kind of you you know normally you're you, we celebrate graduations i mean just kind of promotion hey you're, you're going from third to fourth grade okay here we're gonna have a big party you know we'll, we'll, we'll have the ceremony not necessarily for me back for more here's wtmj's jeff wagner All right, here here is the story. Facebook, which is, you know, the the big tech company, Facebook as I think we all know, decided that they were going to suspend former president Donald Trump and it was an unlimited they, they didn't like a number of the postings that President Trump had when he was president at the end um, of his term, suggesting that the election had been stolen, was rigged, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then Following the January 6th incident at the Capitol, they looked at a number of the president's tweets and they thought that the president, a number of his posts on Facebook, that is, not tweets, posts on Facebook and found that they, they thought that the president was encouraging violence by encouraging people to come and, and rally, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so Facebook took the relatively unprecedented step of su- uh, suspending him for an indefinite period of time. We're not going to allow the president of the United States or now the former president of the United States, we're not going to have allow, allow him to have access to to our forum. And there was a huge amount of controversy about that. So today, Facebook said that, well, all right, w- here's what we're going to do. We have decided that we are going to suspend him for our service for at least two years. Um, so that's the suspension, meaning that, um, he, he's not going to be, he will be eligible for reinstatement in January of 2023. But, but then it's not going to be automatic. We're going to have to look to our experts to decide whether, quote, the risk to public safety has receded. Um, okay. Uh, their vice president for global affairs says, given the gravity of the circumstances that led to Mr. Trump's 
suspension. We believe his actions, actions constituted a severe violation of our rules, which merit the highest penalty available under the new enforcement protocols. So, and then they say, and by the way, if, if Trump starts uh, putting stuff up on Facebook again, and, and we think that it's a violation of our rules, well, then, then we're going to rapidly escalate the penalties, and it could be a current, uh, a permanent suspension. And they say, oh, by the way, we're also going to end a policy that treated content by politicians differently from other users. In, in other words, um, we're we're going to now start editing and evaluating what elected officials say. And if we don't think that it's appropriate, well, we're not going to give elective, elected officials access to our forums. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, Facebook is, is a private held company so i guess pending pending laws and for example there there's a there's there's a law that's going to be passed in texas and i think it'll be signed into law which will limit facebook's ability to do this in texas but but regardless they're they're a private company so you you can argue that they they have the right to do stuff they they can discriminate based on content and they can say you know we we don't like what donald trump was posting we think it was inaccurate we think it was incorrect we don't like what it's posting what he's posting so we're not going to let it let it be on our site they have a right to do that i think again pending you know laws which may or may not be forthcoming is it the right thing to do though 855-616-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line i mean let, let's if if we want to have a free exchange of ideas, shouldn't we have a free exchange of ideas? And if if Donald Trump wants to hang to the notion that the election was stolen and that there was all this fraud and stuff, absent absent proof of that, but but if, if he wants to maintain that. Shouldn't he be able to maintain that? And then similarly, then you have all, trust me, you know, you're going to have all sorts of other commentators who are regularly going to shoot that down. Do we want these big tech companies? And they might, again, they might have the right to do it. Do we want these big tech companies deciding that they are going to, they're, they're going to edit the content and they're going to decide whether or not um, something posted by a particular politician fits in their guidelines or not. I- is that scary? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, to me, it's not really a question of do you have a right to do it. It's a question of is it the right thing to do? And does it lead to some of these giant tech monopolies uh, essentially being able to decide what ideas people can share and what ideas they, they can't share? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Mark in Kenosha. Hi, Mark. Hey, how's it going, Jeff? Good. What do you think? Well, uh, I think that, uh, long story short, they did what they needed to do because you, we have freedom of speech, of course, and we also have freedom of expression. Um, but what we don't have is the freedom to spread false information uh, or lies, and I think that somewhere the line has to be drawn. If we're just talking about concepts or ideas or things that need to be discussed, that's one thing, uh, but when you're pushing uh, 
misinformation that has clearly been debunked. Uh, it's but, but a matter who gets, of who gets to decide facts, that, Mark? Which I, think I mean, I get, who who gets to decide what is what is the absolute truth? I, I mean, and, and who gets to well, decide what's I, what's I a lie? I think that two plus two equals four, and I think that there's a growing uh, group of people in this country who will try to argue facts uh, because we've come up with this this new normal of alternative facts or or things that well I I just choose not to believe what you're telling me and, and there therefore somehow it's a matter of opinion and not fact. Wait, see, it's and, Mark, it's interesting. Are, it's interesting you use. See, it's interesting you use that that two point two two plus two equals four analogy because th- there is a, a curriculum that they're getting ready to teach in California which says we don't say two plus two is is equals four is if you say two plus two equals three we don't tell people that's wrong because uh, again that's that's not the way we should be teaching math now i happen to think it's ridiculous but but i guess my point is at some point in time does it bother you that you've got mark zuckerberg who's going to be ultimately the one deciding what is a truth and, and what is a lie i don't think that he's the one that's deciding that okay, i his think commitment. that uh I think that educated people in a society such as ours already have a firm grasp on what the difference is between facts and opinions and okay, so, being so blurred fine. intentionally. Well, well, right. So, but but isn't that isn't that then what the free exchange of ideas is all about? If if former President Trump c- continues to go on this election with stolen narrative that that I don't buy into, isn't the appropriate he had a blog? Right, isn't the appropriate? He can spread all the lies and misinformation on his own blog he wants. Well, exactly, but what's the harm in They have a responsibility to the truth. Okay, but Uh, but who decides the truth? You you trust them to decide the truth. You trust Facebook to decide what the truth is. I trust them to vet misinformation uh, to some extent, but obviously you can't just. Uh, just I, let them go willy-nilly with it. But the, the, the focus of my, my point is that the, the truth is not uh, a matter of, uh, of facts. Uh, a lot of things are opinions, and a lot of things are facts. You need to be able to differentiate between the two. And if you want to go on a platform like Facebook, where another company gets to decide what you're allowed to, to post or not, that's within their right. Well, no, it's not quite, Mark. No, I, you need to find a different platform. Well, right, Mark, I, I, I understand it. It's, again, and, until, and, unless there's different laws that are passed, like I say, Texas is getting ready, if they haven't already, signing a law which would prohibit Facebook from um, editing politicians' posts, um, essentially saying that politicians, you know, have the right to communicate with the electorate, and if you're going to allow people to post stuff, you can't limit that. And there'll be some interesting litigation about that. I guess my question, again, I, I go back to this though, is you know, who gets to decide the, the truth, and and when do we get to decide when to enforce this or or not? And and by the way. I mean, there's always been limitations. For example, there, there's always slander laws. There's libel laws. There is a way of, I mean, holding somebody accountable. If, if Donald Trump goes and slanders somebody, whether it's on Twitter or whether it's on Facebook or whether it's in a letter to the editor or whether it's during a radio interview or whatever, there there, there are lawsuits and there, there's legal remedies that people can bring. I guess I'm... Again, acknowledging that Facebook has a, a right to control what goes on in the platform, 
is it is this the right thing to do to decide selectively what content they're going to limit and what's not uh, going to limit. Jeff, I find it ironic that Facebook is taking the moral high ground on what's true or false when they were banning people for the last year questioning and discussing the lab leak of coronavirus. That That is a fair point. Now, I, and again, I, I, I haven't talked about whether did this come from a lab in Wuhan or not. I, I don't know, and I'm not sure that at this point in time how relevant that is. But yeah, that that's it. Facebook is deciding, well, this this is the conventional wisdom says that this, this could not have happened. This isn't true. So we're going to decide we're not going to allow people to discuss it. Well, what happens What happens if they're wrong? Jeff, while Facebook can do what they want, there will be a complete double standard that will favor their political views. Um, yeah. Um, before the George Floyd court case decision, there were numerous posts on Facebook saying that if the officers were not convicted, they would riot, and um, those people are still on Facebook despite specific threats to incite violence. Well, I think there's there's a lot of that that's out there. Donald Trump was a big, easy target, and it was a politically correct target. By the way, I'm see, I'm I'm somebody who makes a living with the exchange of ideas, and, and people can, you know call up, people can post blogs, people can send tweets saying, oh, Wagner's right or Wagner's wrong or, or, or whatever. And, and that's fine. I think that's that exchange of ideas that's out there. It does bother me when you have essentially monopoly companies that are going to decide that they are going to collectively decide what is true and what isn't. Um, Jeff, it's not who gets to decide the truth. Truth is absolute. Intelligent people should be able to decide for themselves whether something is true or in fiction, which which is, yeah, that that's typically the way it's been. Let's, you know, if, if you want to make an argument that's just completely and totally whacked out, that, that's fine. You can make that argument. That doesn't mean people have to buy it. It doesn't mean people have to accept it. You can just simply say, oh, that just doesn't make, you know, any sense. Jeff, there's still a lot of educated people who believe the election was stolen it should not be up to mark zuckerberg as to what gets posted well i think it's when you pick and choose and try to decide what you think is is right and sort out this is correct and this is incorrect that that's, that's a very dangerous ground to be on and inevitably you set yourself up for you know all sorts of inconsistencies um jeff it blows my mind that facebook and twitter have suspended our former president yet continue to provide a platform for hamas and chinese officials who advocate for human rights abuse well, I think that there's an element of that. Jeff, I think we, I agree we need free exchange and it's scary how they can limit who they want, but they are a private company. I still can't get over how stupid Trump was to keep pushing and pushing the social media envelope until they had enough and he ended up getting canceled. He should have known this was coming. Twitter was his, his lifeline. And, and look, my perspective, I, I think in some respects, you got to look beyond Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump is this incredible polarizing force, and yes, Facebook has the right to do this, but where where do they, in fact, draw the line? If you decide to have somebody that takes a, a politically incorrect or an unpopular political opinion slash opinion and start advocating for it, is the idea going to be, well, no, we, we can't allow that because that's that's not factually correct because facts and opinions it's not always like two plus two equals four a lot of times you know there are people who take opinions as as fact and present them as such look i I'm not on Facebook 
I don't follow Facebook. I really don't care about what Facebook does one way or the other, except when you have efforts to limit the exchange of ideas targeted to specific individuals. If Donald Trump violated the law, if he you know, used the Facebook platform and committed crimes on there, well, of course, then he should be charged and prosecuted for that. But nobody's suggesting that that's what happened. Nobody's suggesting that that's what happened. If he slandered people, if he libels people, yeah, yes, he, there, there are you, you bring you bring legal actions against him. I guess it's just a little concerning to me that whether they have the right to do it or not, it's going to be Mark Zuckerberg who's going to decide whether or not people get access to his social media platform. Now, maybe the answer is competition, more social media platforms out there, or maybe it's you know like antitrust stuff to determine if Facebook has monopoly and what their rights should be. Just saying. And this is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you we uh, have you with us yesterday. Ron Johnson uh, met with the Milwaukee Press Club in a virtual session that lasted an hour. Um, it was it was kind of interesting. I watched some of the highlights, and it was as often happens when Senator Johnson meets the press. It was a a semi hostile sort of thing. You have journalists who have their own political leanings, and I, I think we're. I, it's it's fair to say we're not receptive to a number of things that uh, Senator Johnson was saying, and and there was this back and forth, and it's not surprising because Ron Johnson's been kind of set up to be the whipping boy by the national media, and he represents a state, Wisconsin, which is I think the only state in the country that has a Republican senator running for reelection in a state that Joe Biden won. So he, he's, he's got a big target on his back. And and, and I, I will be the first to acknowledge as somebody who's had Senator Johnson on on multiple occasions. I, I think he, he brings he wades into issues that I don't understand why he wades into. But the biggest point is he, he's still he's still doing this tap dance on whether he's going to run for reelection or not. And I have said this before and I, and I say it again. I, I really think he is doing the Republican Party of Wisconsin a disservice if he if he decides that he wants to run for a third term that that's fine but i think he needs to say that and then he needs to start understanding that he's, he's got to go out and he's got to be in campaign mode like starting yesterday because right now there's five democrat challengers are out there you know and they're raising money and they're they're, they're trying to beat him if if he decides he doesn't want to run that's all well and good as well, but he needs to make that decision like yesterday to clear the field to allow other Republican candidates or potential candidates to emerge and start traveling the state and building their organizations and, and raising money. Um, time is not on the side of these candidates if Senator Johnson decides to run. So sooner rather than later, and by sooner I mean like about yesterday. Back with more in just a minute. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Uh, during the newscast, Greg was doing the sports, talking about how Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be in Green Bay next week, and it's a $50,000 fine for each day he doesn't show up. Well, he's already punted on a half a million dollar workout bonus by not showing up, so I get the idea that 50000 bucks a day isn't that much to Rodgers. If you follow me on Twitter... 
and it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I have a link to a story. I, I, stump, I actually stumbled across it. It's in the Minneapolis newspaper. I was I actually I found it as I was researching. We talked about at the start of the show about what was going on with the George Floyd Memorial. But it, it's a it's an interview. It's a link to a podcast and then a written interview with Tyler Dunn, who used to be one of the, the print beat writers for, for the Packers. And it's an interview with him where they, they talk about um, Aaron Rodgers. And here, here's some of the highlights of this. And, and what the, the question is, of course, you know, what do you think's going on with the Packers, etc.? And this is what he says. He says, look, the best way I can describe it is that you have these two converging forces. You've got a team, the Packers. Since 1992, when Ron Wolf completely resurrected the franchise, and it's a team that operates in a certain way, the structure of the organization is what it is, and the players play. It's not bring Aaron Rodgers into the office, hand him a glass of scotch, and ask him who we're going to keep. That's just not how they do business, nor should they be. Said it, it's a top-down mentality. General managers are given a lot of roster, lat- roster latitude, and that, that's the way it works. That, that's how it's worked for them. And then Dunn says it doesn't seem to be working for Rodgers. I think he's looking around and saying, you know what? I should have a little bit of say around here. So that's one of the converging factors, Dunn says. And then you have his personality. He's a guy that when he has a grudge, he doesn't lose that grudge. It's part of what makes him special. It makes him a three-time MVP. They drafted a quarterback because they're thinking long-term and looking out for the best interests of the franchise. And in his mind, as a grudge holder, as somebody who can't look past that, it's just a recipe for disaster. Um, I, I agree. The, the, that's what I've been saying all along. You know, you, you can't, you, you can't allow one player to think he's bigger than the team and one player to dictate what the general manager does and things like that. And they're showing they love him by paying him a whole boatload of money. And to me, if, if that's not enough, well, then it's time to move on, trade him if you can get market value for him, or if not, just say, okay, if you want to sit on the sidelines and you know blow a year of your career at the age of 37 or 38, do it. Um, this is what Dunn says. I tend to think he is sincerely dug in, and he is willing to retire if the Packers push him to that point. It's crazy to say it. He should just play. He's got three years left on his contract. They want to pay him more than any other quarterback. I think this is legit. I think he'll miss games. He's willing to lose money. He's willing to do whatever it takes to get out, quote, unquote. If you want to see that whole story again, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 um, link to the story and link to the podcast. As far as I'm concerned, and, I, and I've said this before, if Aaron Rodgers, nobody's bigger than an organization. doesn't matter what that organization is. And if Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be in Green Bay, and as long as Green Bay can get market value for him, I, I trade him while the market is there because he's 37 years old. I've said this before. Quarterbacks... Baseball players, football players, including quarterbacks, typically their butts do not age like fine wine. And you know there there will become a point, and he had a great year last year, but there will be a point where there's going to be a drop off, and that drop off might be sudden. And you know the the worst case scenario is you have an unhappy Aaron Rodgers who's not performing at peak capacity, who's a cancer on the team. Then the team doesn't win that way either. Are you better just again cutting your losses if you can get market value and moving on? And my answer would be. Um, yeah, absolutely. Let me take, I want to take care of a couple of housekeeping matters before, you know, we move into, well, I want to talk about the post office in just a minute. A number of people have been texting me over this week saying, Jeff, do you realize that 
you know, Tony Evers has raised the gay pride flag over the state capitol. Do you know that? And my response has been, yeah, not, not only did he do it this week, he's, this is the third year that, that he's done it. And so then the inevitable response is, well, what do you think about it? And I said, well, look, I, I think he has the right to, to do that. But, but here is the, the but on this. Next time, for example, on National Law Enforcement Week, some local community wants to raise, for example, the, the thin blue line flag that, that honors police. Next time we want to honor that flag outside the Oconomowoc Justice Center, or we want to put that at the state capitol or whatever. I, I don't want to hear people on the other side calling in and sending texts and complaining. Oh, you know, this the, he's, he's honoring the police. Yes, he's honoring the police, and we should honor the police. So my point is, and I'm trying to be consistent here, if it's okay to fly the um, pride flag over the Capitol, all right, no problem, and I don't have a problem with that, it's also okay to fly like the we support the police flag over the Capitol and over other buildings. You can't have it both ways. When I was growing up, I, I was blessed in my life that at least early on, I never thought I'd end up being on the radio for all this time, but I always I wanted to be a lawyer. And of course, when I was growing up, one of the celebrity lawyers was F. Lee Bailey. F. Lee Bailey, and if you were of a certain age, you've probably heard of him. He he represented Patty Hearst, who was kidnapped by the SLA, and he represented her. He represented the Boston Strangler for example, had a number of other high-profile cases. Um, lost a lot, but he, he won occasionally. His perhaps most high-profile case was he was one of the many attorneys who was involved in the, the O.J. Simpson case, and he was one of the people that was there, and he took a lot of credit, he, whether he deserved it or not, he took credit for being, being one of the people that convinced that jury to let O.J. Simpson walk on the, the murder charges. F. Lee Bailey was um, a very troubled guy, and he was a huge self-promoter, maybe one of the greatest self-promoters since Barnum and Bailey, and, and ultimately it caught up with him. He ended up with huge financial problems, and huge tax problems, he ended up getting disbarred, and and at the end, I, I don't think I don't think it ended very well for him. I think he was he declared bankruptcy at one point in time. I don't think he was doing very well at the end, and sometimes that's what happens when you have these people that just they're they're, they're shooting stars, and then they they tend to flame out, and when they flame out, they they fall to earth in a big way. In any event, uh, Lee Bailey died yesterday, I believe, at the age of eighty seven, and if you were if you were a lawyer, I saw, I saw him give a speech once, and he was he was just an incredible showman. I mean, you could kind of say he was full of beans with some of the stuff he did, but he was just an incredible showman, and certainly of his time, he might have been the, the best-known lawyer. I mean, he was sort of the, you know, everybody heard about Clarence Darrow and things like that. Well, you know, F. Lee Bailey was that next generation. He passed away at the age of 87. You haven't heard much about him, and like I say, he got disbarred. It did not end well for him, but he certainly... He certainly was a high-profile and meteoric attorney, had a meteoric rise, at least during the heyday. All right, when we come back, I want to talk about the post office. Stick around. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right, so this morning on my way into work, I, I stopped off at the, the post office because I needed to purchase stamps. And, I, you know, I I understand that there's lots of, of agencies 
And the post office isn't a government agency. It's kind of a quasi-government agency. It's In many respects, it, it's the worst examples of both because you, you've got they can't run it like a private business because they've got all these government regulations and, and government rules that apply, but then the government doesn't want to come in and help, you know, bail them out when they end up with, with problems. But, you know, I went in, I bought the stamps and, you know, used the machine and left, and there were a number of people, you know, they were clearly patronizing the post office, and it occurred to me that even in an age of of, of email communication, and even in an age of, you know, all the different delivery services that were out there, there there's still, there's still a, an interest and a need for the post office. I mean, when I went into the post office, there's probably at 10 o'clock in the morning, and there must have been one, two, three, four, at least half a dozen people that were in line to do whatever they were doing, whether it's mailing packages or, or, or whatever. And I thought, you know, th- these are people, they've got all sorts of different choices. They can use UPS. They can use all these different things. But but they're here at the post office. I understand that this is, I don't know, we, we like to complain about stuff. That's kind of the nature of, of the beast, and it's kind of the nature of life that we always like to complain about this, that, or the other thing. But, you know, I, I say this honestly. I am a fan of of the postal service. I think... I think the postal service in general does a a good job. I do not I do not and have not had a problem with like mail delivery. Now sometimes you get something, sometimes it's possible that something gets lost in the mail. Well, okay, we that that happens in, in general. That is not a unique experience, at least it's not to me. Most times uh the stuff I send, I can tell gets delivered in a prompt fashion that the stuff that gets sent to me appears to be delivered in a prompt fashion. I don't use the postal service as much as I used to because I I don't most of my bill pay, not all of it. But most of my bill pay is, is just electronic. I get a note on my personal email saying, okay, your your bill for so-and-so, this is what it's going to be. And then it either automatically comes out of my checking account or I go into my checking account and I just direct them, okay, on such and such a date, I want you to pay the We Energies bill or I want you to pay the Verizon bill or, or whatever it's going to be. So I, I don't use it as much. But as a general rule, I think the service that the post office provides is good. And I understand that, for example, they're looking at, at raising the price of a, a first class forever stamp. It's going to go from 55 cents to 58 cents because they need to generate a little bit of money. Um, people are talking about privatizing it. People are talking about ma- making major changes. Obviously, I think more has to be done to allow them to deal with, deal with things that are, are going on. If, if you've got, three post offices in a five mile range and and one of them is underperforming they they need to have the flexibility to close that just like if you owned three gas stations in a five mile radius and one of those gas stations wasn't making money you know you'd be able to close it now unfortunately in the postal service they're they're limited their hands are tied because if they decide they want to close the post uh, that post office that's underperforming then you have the mayor and you have the congressperson from that area screaming that no you can't do it so they, they need a little bit of flexibility but in general i do not think the postal service is is broken 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Understanding that we can all complain about, you know, anything we want. And understanding that there's always going to be some some problem. Yeah, gee, my electricity went out. Gee, you know, the, the, the cable went out. I, I think in general... 
the Postal Service does does a pretty darn good job. And I think that they need to, in Congress, resist major efforts to try to monkey with it. What's been your experience? 855-616-1620. We've only got a couple minutes. We discuss in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I think the post office is doing a great job. They provide an essential service. Jeff, in my area, Post Service does a fantastic job. Jeff, our dear mother passed away after Christmas. The only way to reach her old friends and family who don't have email um, is the U.S. Postal Service. Thanks to them for that. Jeff, I'm a fan of the Postal Office as well. In the words of Steely Dan, Ricky, don't lose that number. Send it off in a letter to yourself. Anytime you send me a text with a Steely Dan verse in it, it's getting on the air. Uh, Jeff, I think it's a miracle that for 50-plus cents, actually 55, you can have a person come to your house every day and have a letter delivered anywhere in the country. What a bargain. I think that's a great, good way of looking at it. When, when you think about that, there is somebody coming to your house every day and and bringing you correspondence and sometimes it's bringing you the junk mail and stuff and and maybe if you get to know your mail carrier you know they'll sometimes they have like treats for the dog and things like that as well 855-616-1620 let's start with lucy on the west side hi lucy hi um the woman at the downtown post office absolutely saved my bacon on a passport renewal my passport was very slightly expired, but I thought that I was going to have to go through the whole medulla of renewing because it had been lost and recovered in Ireland. And she took an interest in me. She said, I, let me call a special number. Let me see if you really have to do this. And determined that, no, I didn't. And I was able to renew the usual way. Uh-huh. And I now have my passport in hand. But she really, the thing is, she went the extra mile. She could have just looked at it and said, oh, you have to do the long form. You go there, you go to this office, good luck, goodbye. But she didn't. Yeah. And I am so grateful. And I echo everything everybody else has said, too. Yeah, no, thanks. Well, see, and and that that is that that extra service. Now, look, I'm I'm not going to be a Pollyanna about this. The the, the Postal Service has financial problems. I mean, part part of it is just the the shift in demand. We don't send letters as much. I mean, I I used to actually send letters in the mail. Now, now if you're communicating with people, it's through email and such like that. Now you've got, with all these package delivery services, there's all this competition for the post office. They've got rules that say their pension has pension system has to be fully funded, where you know most companies don't. There's a certain percentage that you have to do it. So there, there's all these challenges that end up being out there. But in general, I, I, can't, I continue to believe that I think they do a good job. Ken in Green Bay. Hi, Ken. Hi. What do you think? Um, I, I really think that the postal system needs to stop making these terrible deals with companies like Amazon. I mean, really, uh, the, the American taxpayers are basically subsidizing all of Amazon's, you know, you know, shipments. I mean, the post office, from what I read, was like like twenty lost twenty billion dollars last year, mm-hmm. and then in the same breath, you got you got you got Amazon, who just ordered a hundred thousand uh, delivery vehicles. Yeah. Uh, you know. The, the the taxpayers are, are are pretty much you know responsible for you know for for paying for those vehicles. They basically you know uh, keep subsidizing the money that uh, that they spend. It's you know, these. I mean, we have to put people in place at the post office that can that can put 
right that can negotiate these deals a lot better right now and thanks for, and, and and give them some of give them some of the authority like i say to to close to to make some modernization give them the authority to close various non-performing post offices that the post office by the way i'm looking at the story here ha- has operated at a loss well actually since 2006 i mean and, and what what happens is it, it's clearly in need of some money for modernization and things like that. Um, the volume of first class mail has plummeted from 2007 to 2020. It declined by 45%. Revenue from domestic mail fell 36% from 38 billion, um, to 38 billion from 60 billion. Um, and so that, that's curtailed the ability of the Postal Service to fund its, its operations. So there's significant issues that are out there. But at the same time, I, I still, I'm glad we have the Postal Service, and I, I think that we need to resist major, major changes. You need to make it more competitive, no question about it. And I think that Amazon deal is a fair point, but let, let's not privatize it. All right, when we come back, we're going to find out what John, Melissa, and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.